Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sockbone Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. Welcome, everyone, to hell. <laughs> welcome to hell. Uh, <laughs> content language warning. That's your warning. We are here to deep dive, wrap up, get into and dissect episode six of season two, Bridgerton, The Choice, based off of book two of eight from Julia Quinn's series, The Viscount Who Loved Me. This is by far the worst episode of the whole season because can't stress this enough. I can't say it enough. I'm tired of saying it. I know you're probably tired of hearing it, but none of this happens. So we're out to sea, everyone. We are on a listing ship that is full on sinking Titanic style because someone in the writing room said, Fuck them kids. Why give us anything good from the book? Which is my second favorite book behind Francesca. I swear to God, if they, if they give us Francesca's story and they do this, if they do what they did to season two to Francesca's story, I will find names. I will find names and addresses. Anyway, the choice, it is officially wedding day for Anthony and Edwina, or is it? We all know that this is not the way. We all know nobody wants this except Edwina and the queen. And we all know that absolutely none of this happens in the book. So let's get into it. And once once we do it, we're, I'm recording this once. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to wish that I'd had as many drinks as Benedict Bridgerton had when he was attending said wedding. And then we are never to speak of this wedding again, except for the fact that I'll probably reference it again in episode seven and eight because Edwina turns into the actual, literal, and figurative worst. Anyway, congratulations, everyone. We've made it to episode six. We're almost through it. We're almost through it. Let's go. Starting the episode off, as we know, the queen is planning the wedding and hopes to trap Whistledown. I mean, she is really, she's getting everything ready. She's like, Brimsley, like, what's the final status report here? And they have a whole plan in motion where the girls that they have singled out, which include Cressida, Eloise, and Penelope. There might have been others that I recognized in there, too, but I definitely remember seeing those three faces. Uh, They're going to have footmen follow them around the day of to see, you know, if they go anywhere. Um, Meanwhile, Mary and Kate help Edwina prepare for the wedding that's officially been moved up because as we know at the end of episode five, Kate convinces Anthony to not only go through with the wedding, but to move it up because Edwina cried to her that she really loved him and hoped that the wedding would go on. And Kate, because she's 
nothing but a martyr doesn't take one ounce of happiness for herself and convinces Anthony to move up the winding day. So this is happening. And and one, I, I want to say, um, I absolutely love that we get to see these Indian traditions happen. And earlier in episode three, yes, in episode three, uh, because like as Anthony is standing up and we all think that he's about to propose at dinner where I was properly shitting myself in that moment. Because I'm like, we're not going off script, are we? Little did I know, poor innocent Sarah at the time. Oh, only to be that girl again from Friday afternoon. Um, at that moment, afterwards, Edwina's crying and Kate is oiling her hair. Um, somebody had mentioned that on Twitter and they were like, usually that's something that the mother would do. And it just points out again how Kate is... Like, she is a parent to Edwina. She's not really a sister. She's a parent to Edwina. But anyway, um, so they are, they're doing all of these Indian traditions and rituals, prepping for the wedding. And, and I noticed all of the marigolds, I assume, the orange. I know that that orange is a symbolic color uh, for them. So I love that. I love that. I wrote in my bullet point, I love that, but I hate this goddamn storyline. <laughs> I wrote that in all caps. Mind you, by the time I watched this episode Friday night, after I gave myself three hours after episodes for shock, uh, it was go it was one o'clock in the morning and I was drinking cider because I at this point I was like, I can't I can't I can't do this anymore. I, it's so awful. I was just trying to get through it at that point. And I was like, I'm just gonna watch episode six and then go to bed. So anyway, uh, that's what I wrote in my bullet point in all caps. Uh, Edwina notes that she's feeling apprehensive now because the date's been pushed up. And Kate's like, oh, you know, that uh, that set you off and or it's made you uneasy. And Edwina's like, no, it's not that clear. She's like, clearly moving it up is a sign that he truly wants to do this. God, she's so, she's so, so, so ignorant. She's just ignorant of the whole situation. She just has absolutely no idea what's going on. She is so clueless. So clueless. <laughs> Makes me cry. Uh, but she said, I still wish that when he looks at me, I could be certain that he truly loves me. And I wrote, poke my eyes out already. It'll be quicker. <laughs> That's what I wrote at the very beginning. I'm going through, I have so many bullet points. I have like paragraphs of bullet points for this episode. And that's what I wrote. Poke my eyes out, it'll be quicker. Edwina, I I don't know how, I don't how to say this. I don't know how to say this to you nicely. The reason why you don't know that he truly loves you is because he doesn't. <laughs> at all. He doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't know anything about you. I, you don't know anything about him. I, you know what I forgot to take? I forgot to tell us to take our deep calming breath. So let's just center ourselves in this moment. Meanwhile, Anthony, Benedict, and Colin, A, B, and C, you know, my my favorite trio of boys here, they are drinking and smoking cigars. Anthony gets 
three sheets to the winter. They all get drunk, actually. But <laughs> they're over here sipping, and Anthony's just literally throwing these drinks back. And Benedict, oh, I don't know which one says it, but one of them's like, you do know that that's meant to be enjoyed, right? Not inhaled. <laughs> and so Anthony says, like, what's he say um, in six? He says, um, he's like, oh, just... Like, that's the joy of being born second, right? Like, you don't have the duty that I have to carry on the family. And Benedict says, tell me, brother, once you marry, will your duty be fulfilled so you can stop reminding everyone of it? And Anthony says, I believe that reminders are also my duty. So no. (laughs) And I... I needed more of that. I needed more of the Anthony, Benedict, and Colin trio. Although we don't really get a lot of Benedict in Anthony's book, I knew we were going to get Benedict in the show. And so I was super excited because I love the dynamic. They couldn't have picked three better people to play these roles. They truly outdid themselves in the casting department. For everyone so far. I don't think there is a single person that has been cast that I don't fully believe is that person. Like, full stop. They could not have picked better casting. I'm like, especially Colin. Luke Newton. Like, especially him. And Eloise. I Just everyone. Anyway. um, And I don't know if I should say this part no, I won't, I won't say this part now, but I just, I wish that I had more Anthony Benedict and Colin going into this. Um, but back over to Kate, Edwina, and Mary, um, about the true love thing. Kate says that true love is when the rest of the world goes quiet. It's not eyes that meet, but souls that dance. Just keep that, keep that in mind. And, um, and I guess I didn't write it down but what was the so because they're rubbing Edwina down and Haldi was that the word I think I started with an H um but they're rubbing Edwina down in it and then Edwina says like oh she puts some on Kate's cheek and she says you know like um it also is supposed to bring good luck to find your own true love. So she puts them on Kate's cheek. And this just, it's the symbolism in this moment. She's like, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know. You know. Uh, the next morning, or maybe later that day, I don't know at what point. I'm telling you, I was... I was drinking at that point and it was 1 a.m. So, uh, and I did not, I have, I, I, I did not rewatch this episode. Um, I'm still unconvinced. I still don't know if I'm going to rewatch these episodes or not. <laughs> like, I, I think I need to therapeutically. Um, okay. The, because the only thing that I can draw from in this moment is that season three of Alias is, uh, in the moment when you're watching it through the first time, it's terrible because of how season two ends and then where we pick up in season three. And I just remember how much I hated it 
in that moment in time when I watched it for the first time. So then years later, when I finally sat down and rewatched it, I'm, I'm talking like a decade later. Anyway, it was just a couple of years ago that I purposefully sat down and rewatched the show. I got through season three and I was like, you know, that wasn't as bad as I remember it being. So I can only hope that maybe all of these feelings are just my first time feelings and maybe I would enjoy it more if I watch it a second time, but I can't in good conscience and in good faith re-watch it yet before I do these reviews because they deserve to be told in their complete absolute truth without any kind of sugarcoating because they butchered this season. They butchered all of this. So even if I at some point in time grow to like <laughs> that this season and these episodes I want for posterity's sake to reflect upon how upset how upsetting it was in the first watch through because it's it's awful because it's terrible because <laughs> because this never happens and in the end we don't even get Kate and Anthony's wedding we're not even there yet. We won't even get that. I, you're telling me I have to watch an hour of a wedding that never happens in a book, but then I don't even get the actual wedding that actually happens? That, you want to talk about bullshit? So yeah, so in this moment in time, my bullet points are my bullet points from the first watch through, and I did not go back and rewatch it again because... I refuse to enjoy a single moment of this show for these reviews because this is ridiculous. Because it's ridiculous. I believe it's the next day. Uh, Lady Danbury passes Violet and she goes to say something and Violet just kind of brushes her off. And it's all to do with the dowry thing from the horrible dinner with the Sheffields previous. And I wrote in here, how many relationships are they going to ruin? Now, this one doesn't last very long. In the end, they end up maniacally laughing because of, because of the ensuing shit show. But at this time, I'm like, how many relationships does this show plan on ruining this season? I'm just like, God. Um, Benedict, drunk, uh, is literally the only thing keeping me sane right now. That's what I wrote. Drunk Benedict is a whole vibe for this episode. I have today seen from one Twitter account who has been like there have been all these little clips and I've seen a few and it's been replaying like Benedict standing behind Anthony at like these sparring matches between him and Kate and and I saw them in that moment but seeing it again I'm like I love Benedict he is pure chaos like, he is, he is pure confused chaos, and I don't know where we're going with his storyline because of the character that he plays in the book, in his book specifically, and then in every other ensuing book that he is in. Um, but for the show, obsessed, love. Like, he, his little smirks, his smiles, his little sarcastic comebacks, they truly light up the screen, but drunk Benedict before this wedding is 
was literally the only thing keeping me sane. And Colin says, oh, brother, I don't think that I will ever grow to your tolerance. And Benedict says, well, that's the thing. If you just keep drinking, then you're never hungover. And he, like, passes him a flask. And I'm like, can I get some of that? I mean, I had my own drink. But I'm like, can I get some of that in that flask to get through today? Because I also need that in this moment in time. Um, Daphne, right before the wedding, is talking to Anthony. And... Again, she's kind of sussing it out. And again, number one Daphne Bridgerton Bassett stan because she was trying so hard. And what she should have said, well, what she kind of said in episode four, and then he just completely did the exact opposite of that, is she should have just said, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? You should be with Kate. (laughs) But she says again, like, are you sure... You want to do this. Like, you're absolutely positive that you want to do this. And Anthony says, and I quote, I've gone too far down the road, Daph. Because then he's like, if I call off this wedding now, like, it'll ruin us. It'll ruin her. It'll ruin the whole, like, her family. It'll just ruin everyone. I've gone too far down this road. And I wrote, I dot, dot, dot. This was a road you never should have gone down at all. And I was in my head, 1 a.m. watching this, I was losing my mind. I I was losing my mind at that point. I'm like, <sighs> I've gone too far down this road. I'm like, the road that you, the road that you single-handedly chose and drove off the cliff, you didn't just choose that road. You rode your horse and buggy carriage system down there and went off a cliff with it. So at the same time on Twitter, I put uh, like my Twitter account could not be stopped that night. I wrote Anthony telling Daphne that he's gone too far down this road before the wedding as if he didn't one, choose this road, two, stick to it when he had an out and three, choose this road might make me scream. And then I have a gif from I don't know, it looks like a TLC show where she's cry- where she's dabbing at her eyes and it says, it's just men, they're fucking trash. <laughs> and people, again, were <laughs> people, again, crack me up. The quote retweets that I've gotten off of this one uh, are exactly upside down smiley face. I really want to strangle show Anthony for even letting it get that far. Like they were at the altar, all the mess after episode four could have been avoided if he just didn't propose, which is like all I've been saying this whole time. I'm just, that's all I keep saying. Uh, the one that I quoted in what episode five, because I, that was when I saw this and it was cracking me up. Men are always minning. Men are always minning. This is such a man thing to say. Uh, another one, the worst part was his mother and sister seeing what was really up before he would openly admit he was in love with Kate and he still stood 10 toes down in marrying the sister because she was the safer option. You know, I love that. He's still 10 toes down wanting to marry. And we're going to discuss like how bad it actually got to that point. 
I mean, he was really committed. You have to give it to Anthony. He was very committed to this idea for a whole hour plus. I think this was the episode that goes like an hour and eight minutes, whatever. Um, so anyway, he says this and he, it, well, and he and Daphne have this back and forth a little bit and she said, well, she says something about her marriage and he says, you were born to marry into another family and I was born to carry on the Bridgerton name. And and I wrote here, the way we've just forgotten that he was consumed, that he was going to die young. And this is where I don't have the sympathy for this show, Anthony, that I had leading up to everything for book Anthony because she says so he says this like well you're a woman you were born to marry into another family I was born to carry this family on you know backed with the Benedict and Colin like oh that's the joys of being the second like you can do whatever you want because you're not the first and they're like oh well your duty finally be fulfilled so you can stop telling everyone about it and then you know he's basically just said this about his duty again to Daphne this time So she says, I mourn for you, brother, all of these decisions that you seem to make and then resent us for, though they do not make you worthy of your family's respect, they simply make us pity you, nothing more. I had the mouth hanging open emoji going on. I literally, I was sitting there, I was like, just, I was like, did she just say that out loud? And she just turns around and walks out. And yo, if we had gotten, so we got with episode three and the flashback, we got how distraught Violet was. I mean, Violet literally says the, this child, Hyacinth, didn't even do the courtesy of killing me so that I could go be with your father. He was the air that I breathed and now there is no air. I am doing my best. She was like going through it and Anthony had to experience this. So we get it. We get this idea. He doesn't want to fall in love and he doesn't want anyone to love him. But we don't get this critical point because he thinks he's going to die young. He is consumed. He is convinced. He is scared shitless that he is going to die young and he doesn't want anyone to love him. Actually, I take that last part back. He is not afraid of dying young. And that's what he says in the book. He was never afraid of death because he never made the attachments on earth. But love was the one thing that truly scared him the most. So rationally, because I read the book and I, and I see that I can almost, I can give a little justification to why he went so hard in on trying to marry Edwina. Like I can almost, almost understand where the writers were like, no, let's go through with this idea. But I will never consent to him actually proposing and then actually going through with this wedding in this episode. I will never be on board with that because he could have truly been so convicted that he was going to marry Edwina because he knew he had feelings for Kate and he didn't want to do that and then still somehow 
it comes out that he has to marry Kate. And like the book, he just goes, well, okay, now that we have to get married, not, not a big fuss about it, because I would have never chosen you. Like, you are far more dangerous to the thought that I might love you. But I also want you deeply. You are the bane of my existence and the object of all my desires. Like, I don't know why we couldn't have had that. Anyway, Harry Styles starts playing Sign of the Times as he's walking. Like, Drunk Benedict is standing at the altar already. He, Anthony, ambles on down. And then he's standing up there. Kate comes down. It's so surreal. In this moment in time, it is so surreal uh, of him uh, or of her walking up. And then Mary walks Edwina down the aisle. And this wedding. What a mess. I wrote in here, Benedict's facial expressions behind Anthony as the archbishop is speaking about, like, I didn't get the whole thing, but, like, the archbishop starts going in about, like, the importance and sanctity of marriage and how it's not about satisfying men's carnal lust and appetites like brute beasts that have no understanding. If you have not, you need to watch that scene just to see Benedict's face, like, it's like, I, I don't know. I think it would be hysterical if that was the very first take and no one knew what the archbishop was going to say because Benedict's facial expressions are <laughs> like his eyebrows raise up and he gives this look like, is he saying what he think he's saying? Like, what's going on? Anthony completely zones out. He's looking at Kate and then all of a sudden he's picturing Kate in Edwina's wedding dress, like in just subbing out Kate and Edwina here, which I hated that just because the dress looked like suited Edwina beautifully. It didn't suit Kate the same way because obviously it wouldn't be the dress that Kate would pick. But um, so he is zoned out. He's he is looking at Kate and then boom, in his mind, Kate is in the wedding dress and no one else is around. And, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, this is, this is a dumpster fire. This is a train wreck. I like, where, how, where are we fixing this? How are we stopping? Like now, now I feel like we really are too far. Now I really feel like we've gotten to the point where he has to marry Edwina. And then what the hell are we going to do? You know, like I was really at this point where I'm like, I don't see the way out. There were, there were ways we didn't have to get to this, but then we kept going down this way. And you know, I'm kind of with him. I've gone too far down this road. I don't know how to stop it. It comes to, well, he comes to, and like, then he kind of like looks around a little bewildered. And Edwina realizes that he's looking at Kate. And Kate is twisting off this bracelet. And had I rewatched this episode, which I have already said I did not, she had said something about how she had brought the bracelets with her to have Edwina wear. But then Edwina, right before the ceremony, was like, no, I want you to have the bracelets. I I didn't get the symbolism. And at this current moment in time, I, I just, I cannot rewatch this episode. And so, so Kate has the bracelets on. And remember, 
they had wiped the stuff that they were that they were putting on Edwina. Edwina puts some on Kate's cheek and says, like, you know, this way now you'll find your true love. And then these bracelets, which were symbolism of something for the wedding. So as Edwina catches Anthony, realizing that he's looking at her at Kate, not at her, Kate's twisting off one of these bangles, and the bracelet pops off, falls to the ground. He and Kate at the same moment, I mean, Benedict doesn't even get the chance to flinch about moving. And, you know, you can hear the bangle, but I don't know if it's like you could actually hear the bangle because it falls on like the train of Edwina's dress. So I don't even know if you could actually hear it or it was like he knew that the bracelet had fallen off because he was watching Kate and not Edwina. You know what I mean? Where I'm going with this idea. And so he and Kate both been down at the same time to get this bangle. And, and then like, he's like, allow me. And like, he puts it in her hand and it's, you know, it's like that extra hand hold at that moment. And, and she's like, you know, my my Lord. And they both stand up and Benedict kind of shifts in the back and they both stand up and she says, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize. And Anthony says, I apologize. And he stands there and Edwina says, uh, well, right before the bangle comes off, Edwina's like, they are, you know, my Lord, he wants you to repeat after him. And Anthony's like, oh, of course. And at this point, I'm like, you're literally still calling him my Lord. You're literally still not even calling him Anthony. And she makes that comment too. Is it at the beginning of this episode or at some point in episode five, she says something about like, hopefully soon she'll be calling him Anthony because right now she still calls him my Lord. I'm like, come on, come on, throw me a bone here. It's like, this is killing me. So just as soon as they stand back up and they both apologize, Edwina shouts that she needs a moment and runs off. She just starts like hyperventilating and just runs off. Kate runs off and (laughs) Benedict, Benedict looks at Anthony. Daphne and Violet have like the people that know, know, and they all have a look on their face. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, finally, relief. Finally. Oh my God. Finally. (laughs) Like, finally we're it's done it's over but it's not it's not even close to being over edwina and mary get back to the room mary says you haven't eaten anything all day i'll call for some tea that's all you need edwina says i don't need any tea kate comes in and mary's like i'm sure that the viscount will be fine like kate what do you think and kate's just standing there and edwina says Oh, now you have nothing to say. And Edwina loses it on Kate. She's like, you have feelings for him, don't you? And I, one, I just wanted to shut down in this moment. I had absolutely zero interest in hearing Edwina yell at Kate. I had, I had less than zero interest in wanting to hear Edwina yell at Kate because 
like I have said, like I just said, I'm, I'm finding my tweet actually right now. Um, and this has nothing to do with, this is all in the writing of her character. But I wrote in here, Edwina screaming at Kate makes me want to gouge my ears out. Girl, you're what? 17 in the books. You 19 here? He's 29. You're still calling him Lord Bridgerton. Y'all have never even kissed. Shut up. And I have the guy that's on TikTok that he never even talks, but he just always debunks what people do. And I have so many just, like, laughing, just a few responses people, and all they're doing is just laughing. And they're like, yo, you're not wrong. Um, the quote retweets, again, they make, everyone's been making excellent points here and I love it. That's one thing I'm mad Kate never called her out about. Girl, you wanted the image and family he comes with, not him. Reality is Edwina wouldn't want him if she knew he keeps prostitutes on payroll and almost ruined his family by trying to elope with the count, uh, with the, the courtesan last season. Like, absolutely. This is like such a drawback to them playing cards and Edwina saying something about like how even tempered he is. And Daphne's like, <laughs> Anthony? I, I had less than zero interest in hearing Edwina yell at Kate. I really did. Um, another one, one of my only critiques about this season is that they put both Edwina and Kate through a lot of unnecessary hell. And instead of simply portraying that Edwina was rightfully hurt, they pushed it to almost bitterness. Yes. Yes. And might I reference again, in the book, when Kate goes to tell her, hey, uh, so this happened and we're engaged, she is thrilled, overjoyed, and not one little bit surprised. She is so happy for Kate in the book. She, and she wants to marry a non-peer. She doesn't want to marry a rich man. She was like, you know, I was going to because that's what we need to do for the family because she knew they didn't have any money, but there was no, like, we, we came from India and so we have no money to get back and the only way we're going to do it is if Mary's parents just, none of that happens. And I get, you know, I get that because there isn't the diversity in the book, so obviously they're just coming from Somerset, they're not coming from Bombay, but they could have come from Bombay, India and still had money. You know what I mean? Like, Edwina could have known that they were running out of money, like she did in the books. Another one was, series Edwina is really vexing to me. I understand the feelings of being led your entire life, but your sister is literally handing you her happiness on a silver platter for your own, and you never stopped once to even realize it and think about her as well. Again, yes, series Edwina, this, 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 this. Episode six and seven, all I wanted to do was Will Smith open hand slap the shit out of her. That's all I wanted to do. Be, like, Kate is handing you her happiness on a silver platter and you can't even take one step back to realize that. Series Edwina 
terrible. Absolutely terrible. The worst. Like, I was, oh, I was not. Mary yells at Kate. She's like, go anywhere but here. And that pissed me off because it is made so abundantly clear in the book that Mary never considered her a stepdaughter, never considered her anything less than my daughter. And that's another thing because Edwina says half sister. Oh my God. I almost flew through the roof when Edwina says that. So in the book before the wedding night for Kate, Mary comes in to talk to her. She sends Edwina out because <laughs> she's like, and Edwina's like, well, I want to stay. I have questions. And Mary says, yeah, and I'll be happy to answer them the night before you get married. Because in the book, Edwina is 17. So Mary, you know, wants to talk to Kate, give her, give her the talk. And this is what it says. Kate says, I see. Mary looked up sharply. Sharply, No, you don't see. And I hope you never do. But that is beside the point. I always swore that no daughter of mine would enter into marriage ignorant of what occurs between a husband and a wife. The way Mary just, no daughter of mine. Mary never once considered Kate anything less than hers. And in this moment in time, she's like, Kate, go, go, go anywhere but here. And it felt like such a slap in the face. And I'm not saying, you know, if it's a sister thing, yeah, like at some point you're like, just go for right now. But in that moment, I felt, I felt like I was getting a slap in the face in that. Like Mary is so far down my shit list in that moment. So Kate goes off, well, she leaves, and then she sees the Bridgerton clan. So she goes into, like, the spare closet, like, spare, um, I I don't know, they had, uh, like, all kinds of dishes and, um, statue type thing, all, all kinds of things. She goes in there, and she's crying. Not for the first time. And my heart, I was like, we're, we're really doing this in this moment in time. Meanwhile, within the Bridgerton clan, everyone's going, oh, it's so funny. Gregory's like, well, maybe she wanted to change her dress. And Hyacinth's like, well, that's stupid because she looked beautiful. And, and I forget what, who else says that. And Eloise says, or like, you know, perhaps she doesn't want to get married. And Colin says, do you always have to be so you? (laughs) And so, Benedict says, perhaps we should allow Anthony a little respite. Brother, is that what you need? Like, I love, I love, I freaking love the on-screen relationship between Anthony, Benedict, and Colin. Because Benedict, he knows something's going on. So he says, maybe, like to everyone, he says, maybe we should give Anthony respite. And then he looks at Anthony with concern. He says, brother, is that what you need? Anthony looks up. He's look. He's looking in a mirror. Daphne's looking at him, like he sees, like through the mirror. He looks straight, straight at Daphne, like without turning around, just through the mirror. Looks straight at Daphne. And and Anthony says precisely, and he strides out. He just leaves. Violet has seen this look 
So she goes to Daphne and she says, what do you know? And Daphne says, what? <laughs> like, I don't know anything. And Violet says, you may be a duchess, but you're still my daughter. Tell me what you know. <laughs> I, I thought that was hysterical. I was like, and I'm like, Violet, you already know. You already know. You don't, I don't, I, maybe you don't want to believe it. I don't know. You already know. You already know what Daphne knows. Well, not really. You know that he has feelings for Kate, but you, you don't know that you walked in. And I'm like, Daphne, why the hell didn't you go tell your mother this after that? Like, I love you, Daphne. I love you. You were trying. You were trying so hard. But um, maybe next time, include another adult in on this plan here. Like, you could have told Violet. <laughs> you could have told Violet that you caught them almost kissing. And then, I don't know, maybe Violet and Lady Danbury would have got their shit together then. I don't know. Anyway. All of that, like, it was just, it was a whole whirlwind of all of, all of these things. And I, and I was just sitting there and I'm like, I wish, I wish I was as drunk as Benedict was in this moment in time. We are still not done because Anthony ends up going to talk to Edwina, who is now alone. And when I tell you that I was honestly, Edwina had already put me on edge, you know, like I was already on edge, then Mary pushed me a little bit further to the edge, and then seeing Kate try and hide in a closet and cry, like, that was, I had, like, my foot dangling off of the edge of pure rage, um, yeah, Anthony strode right in, he just, like, elbowed me off right into the rage pit here, because he goes in to talk to Edwina because he's still trying to get married today to Edwina. And he, God, like an idiot. And uh, Edwina says, and what about my sister? What role will she play in our marriage if we get married? And this man looks her dead in the eyes, looks her straight in the eyes with his whole chest Ten toes, firmly on the ground, says, The thorn easily removed from the blossoming flower of our lives. She shall have no place in our future. Once we marry, she will return to India as she wishes, and you and I will be free of her. Gonna crack my neck here for a minute. Oh, crack some fingers. Um, Anthony, I'm gonna murder you. I'm going to. I'm going to murder you. I don't know how else to plainly say it. I want to open hand Will Smith smack the shit out of Edwina right now, but I'm going to actually murder you. I was already ready. After he proposed to Edwina, I was ready. You know, I was ready. And then I tried to dial it back, yeah. And then he wants to call off the wedding in episode five. And I was like, okay, okay. And then he follows it up with, is that the future you want for us? As if this is Kate's fault? I was ready to kill him again. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. And if you'd have been there and you'd have seen it, I bet you would have done the same. That's all I'm saying. Chicago had a point. Cell block tango. 
There were points being made. They were all valid. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. And if you'd have been there and you'd have seen it, you would have done the same. What the fuck? What the fuck is this line? My book, Anthony, would never. My book, Anthony, could never. He is so taken by Kate. Almost instantaneously, he would never. And you're telling me that he's going to walk in and look Edwina in the eyes and lie his ass off like that for Edwina to get married because he doesn't want to fall in love. Oh, fuck you. Oh, absolutely not. Whoever wrote that line and then whoever okayed that line into the script, go choke. Book Anthony is rolling. Julia Quinn, I would be in the hospital if I were her because I would have actually had a stroke if I had written the things that I wrote for Anthony and then I see him stand here telling a probably 19-year-old girl that he had no intentions of marrying in the book, no real intentions of marrying, say, the thorn easily removed from the blossoming flower of our lives. She shall have no place in our future. Once we marry, she will return to India as she wishes, and you and I will be free of her. I, I will never forgive them for what they did, and I will never forget. This is why I cannot rewatch this show and try to find happy memories right now because fuck you a b c d e f or a b c d e f fuck you and your mom and your sister and your do and your job and your broke ass car and the things you Hold on. Whatever. However that line, I'm trying to do it without singing it. Um, you can all go fuck off for all I care. I, oh, my heart is a pounding. Book Anthony would never. We cut back to Kate. She is crying in the spare closet, sending me, literally sending me, ripping my heart into, I hate everything. And, and we're going to, I know that I said I'm not a book purist, but just to really pound down this idea that book Anthony would never say this, let's, let's visit the wedding night here for Kate and Anthony for what we could have had, what we should have had, because this is ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm taking a deep breath. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's just, let's just pick up a little section here from their wedding night for what we should have had. So post very small wedding nine days after the bee sting in the book, 
they are leaving to go to his bachelor lodgings at the time because they do end up moving into Bridgerton house and the rest of the Bridgertons that are unmarried by that point move into number five Brunton Street and that happens in Benedict's book. So Kate is she has had the talk with Mary, who was much better at the talk than Violet was because we all saw what happened in Daphne's book. And Mary was very honest with her. And she said, look, I, I don't think you're going to have any problems with the Viscount. It's obvious that he has affection for you. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be tender. But you should know that women don't always... Or, no. How does she say it? She says, men men can basically find pleasure anywhere. Women don't always find that. So Kate knows this in the back of her head at this point, that basically like anything that happens, Anthony, Anthony can find anywhere. And it says this, and this is also important to do with Edwina. So as they're going back, she asks Anthony, I think we should wait a week before we sleep together, basically. Uh, and he's like, why? I mean, he's just, he's so thrown. And she's like, well, uh, you know, I just think, you know, we should take this time. He's like, okay, if you can tell me why. Like, because she's like, well, so that I can practice. And he's like, well, how are you going to practice? And she's like, cool, I don't know. But anyway, this is what she starts thinking as she, after he's asked this question. It says, she was acting foolishly a prisoner of her own insecurities, insecurities she hadn't even known she possessed until she'd met Anthony. All her life, she'd been the one who'd received the second glance, the second greeting, the second kiss on the hand. As the elder daughter, it should have been her due to be addressed before her younger sister, but Edwina's beauty was so stunning, the pure and perfect blue eyes of her so startling, that people simply forgot themselves in her presence. Introductions to Kate were usually met with an embarrassed, of course, and a polite murmured greeting while their eyes slid back to Edwina's pure and shining face. Kate had never minded it much. If Edwina had been spoiled or bad-tempered, it might have been difficult. And in all truth, most of the men she'd met were shallow and silly, and she hadn't much cared if they only took the time to acknowledge her after her sister. Until now. She wanted Anthony's eyes to light up when she entered the room. She wanted him to scan a crowd until he saw her face. She didn't need him to love her, or at least that's what she was telling herself, but she desperately wanted to be first in his affection, first in his desires. So she's all in her head. They get to the house and he says, okay, well, like, have you thought of a plausible, <laughs> like, a plausible story here for this whole thing? And he sees that she's shaking and he immediately thinks like, oh God, something's happened to her previously. And she says, no, no, no. And then this scene, he says, I can't bear it. Anthony whispered, closing the distance between them as he took her hand and raised it to his lips. You must tell me, he said, his voice oddly choked. Do you fear me? Do I repulse you? Kate shook her head frantically, unable to believe that he could possibly think any woman would find him repulsive. Tell me, he whispered, his lips pressing against her ear. Tell me how to make it right, for I don't think I can grant you your reprieve. He molded his body to hers, his strong arms holding her close as he said, I can't wait a week, Kate. I simply cannot do it. I... Kate made the mistake of looking up into his eyes and she forgot everything she'd meant to say. He was staring at her with a burning intensity that forged a fire in the very center of her being, leaving her breathless, 
hungry, and desperate for something she didn't quite understand. And she knew that she could not make him wait. If she looked into her own soul, she looked with honesty and without delusion. She was forced to admit she did not wish to wait either. For what would be the point? Maybe he would never love her. Maybe his desire would never be focused as single-mindedly on her as hers was for him. But she could pretend. And when he held her in his arms, in her yeah, in his arms, and pressed his lips to her skin, it was so, so easy to pretend. Anthony, she whispered, anything, he replied. Ask me anything, anything in my power I give to you. Kate felt her head fall back, felt the last of her resistance melting away. Just love me, she whispered. Just love me. And you're telling me you are going to tell me that this man is going to look Edwina in the face and say, she shall have no place in our future. Once we marry, she will will return to India as she wishes and you and I will be free of her. You read that book. You read it. You memorized it. And then you wrote this script. Obviously not. Did you even read the book? Who wrote this season? I mean, I know Chris Van Dusen was the executive producer, and then we have Shonda Land. Who sat down and wrote this season? Did you read this? You couldn't possibly have read this and then did what you did to us. You could not possibly have done this. So... I also just want to say in this moment in time that while same night in the middle, he says, you know, like, you are so beautiful. And she says, okay, well, who are you thinking? I mean, she just immediately tenses up and he's like, what? What's wrong? And she's like, well, he called me beautiful. So who are you thinking of? And he's like, what? It says for a good 10 seconds, he just stared at her for the life of him. He couldn't understand how that was a bad thing. But then again, he'd never professed to understand the female mind. He thought he should simply reaffirm the statement that she was beautiful. And what the hell was the problem? But a little voice inside warned him that this was one of those moments. And no matter what he said, it would be the wrong thing. So he decided to tread very, very carefully. And he just murmured her name, which he had a feeling might be the only word guaranteed not to get him in trouble. Because she repeats it again. You said I'm beautiful. And he's like, uh, yeah. And she says, I'm not beautiful. She whispered. Her eyes meeting his, she looked shattered and broken, but before he could contradict her, she asked, who were you picturing? He blinked. I beg your pardon? Who do you think of when you make love to me? Anthony felt as if he'd been punched in the gut, the breath whooshed from his body. Kate. Kate, you're mad. You're, I know a man doesn't have to feel desire for a woman to find pleasure with her. She cried out. You think I don't desire you? He choked out. God in heaven, he was ready to explode right now, and he hadn't even moved in the last 30 seconds. Her lower lip trembled. Do you, do you think of Edwina? Anthony froze. How could I possibly confuse the two of you? 
Kate felt her face crumple, felt hot tears stirring in her eyes. She didn't want to cry in front of him. Oh, God, especially not now, but it hurt. It hurt so much, and his hand grasped her cheeks with stunning speed, forcing her to look up at him. Listen to me, he said, his voice even intense. And listen well, because I'm only going to say this once. I desire you. I burn for you. I can't sleep at night for wanting you. Even when I didn't like you, I lusted for you. It's the most maddening, beguiling, damnable thing, but there it is. And if I hear one more word of nonsense from your lips, I'm going to have to tie you to that bloody bed and have my way with you a hundred different ways until you finally get it through your silly skull that you are the most beautiful and desirable woman in England. And if everyone else doesn't see that, then they're all bloody fools. And she is stunned. I'm stunned. I sat in silence when I read that. I read that. I was like, why are all the best men written by women? Moment of silence for book Anthony. And she doesn't say anything. And he says, is that understood? She just stared at him. He leaned down until his nose was a mere inch from hers. Is that understood? She nodded. Good. <laughs> like, and you're trying to tell me that he's going to say that to Edwina? Bullshit. Bullshit. Never happened. Fake news. Would never happen. Don't look at me and tell me that this season is good in You Read the Book. Do not look me in the face and say you read the book, but you watch the show and you still like the show and you just consider it an alternate universe. Do not look me in the face and say that because you're lying. You are lying. I may come to tolerate this season. We could have had that. Moving on from that, God, every time I think that they couldn't have just ripped my heart out more by not putting the book together the right way for the show, Lady Danbury and Violet, they end up running into the same room because Lady Danbury's gone to the queen. The queen's like, this is kind of your fault because you told me to pick Edwina, so your head's also kind of on the chopping block here. And then Lady Danbury runs into Violet and she's like, there, we may just not be able to save this. And I don't know what the hell we're supposed to do at this point. They see peacocks outside. Everyone's been directed outside. And they see peacocks. And Lady Danbury's like, oh, detestable creatures. Like, they'll provoke, they'll attack unprovoked. And she says, as if this day could get any more unfortunate. And they literally just break into maniacal laughter. Because Violet says, well, my daughter's just told me, um, what I have suspected, she's just confirmed it, and, like, what a mess. <laughs> what a, what a mess. Like, scandal, here we come. Um, they end up in front of the queen, Edwina, Mary, Lady Danbury, and Violet, and the queen's like, well, what are we doing here? What are we gonna do? And before we get a real answer, the Mad King comes running in and he's like, Lottie, Lottie, did you see him? Did you see the fireworks? 
reminds me of our wedding day, all that, like, what's going on? Like, why, are you, why aren't you in your wedding dress? All of this. One, I kind of forgot this man existed. <laughs> so I'm like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the footmen were like, we're so sorry. He got away from us. And I'm like, oh, okay. Got it. This is how we're getting out of it because the queen won't want this getting out. So she's gonna be like, okay, whatever, as long as you never speak of this moment again. So I was like, okay. But while they're in there, like, he's just not, like, he, because he, he's in his delusions. And so they're trying to lead him away. And this really riles him up. So Edwina steps up and she says, like, oh, she will make a beautiful bride, won't she? And together the two of you are going to reign over this great kingdom and have such a wonderful marriage and, and all this. And this just calms him down enough to allow them to lead him back out, um, back to his room. And Mary's like, oh, Edwina. And Edwina just, you know, leaves again. And I was like, you know, I enjoy this moment. Like, because this is the Edwina that we get from the book. This is the very observant, very intuitive, very smart 17-year-old girl that we get. Well, I want this Edwina. Um, Colin and Penelope have a chat outside. He says, you know, Lady Crane was right. Um, she And she's like, oh, she was? And he says, yeah, she said that you care for me, that you'd never forsake me. I am beginning to believe that now. And I still sit here in this moment and I'm looking at Colin and Penelope, knowing what I know, spoiler alert, not a spoiler alert, whatever, read the freaking books, Colin and Penelope get married. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking Colin may get the next season, even though that would also be weird, but whatever. Um, Because like, we're getting the breadcrumbs. I don't know where we're going to go with this and I don't know how we're going to fix what we get in the eighth episode we're going to talk about when the time comes. Um, but okay. Penelope sees Eloise or Eloise goes to her and Eloise is like, I'm going to go off and see Theo. Penelope's like, you can't. It's your brother's wedding. Yeah, People are watching and Eloise says, no one's watching me. Like, no one's watching me. No one's going to care. Um, and she and Penelope get into a fight about it because Penelope's like, you have to stop seeing him. You have to stop. You have to stop looking for Lady Whistledown. You have to stop going to see him. It's not safe. All this. But Eloise goes off and the footman sent there to watch it. Like, they each had their own footman. The footman sees her running off. And I was like, shit. Damn it, Eloise. God. All for a storyline that doesn't happen. Edwina and the queen share a moment um, in the jewelry room, whatever. Edwina's in there looking and the queen comes in. She's like, oh, that's a beautiful piece. I got this for this. And then the queen's like, well, you know, what are you going to do? And Edwina mentions, you know, true love. And, and there's this great sequence. And had I rewatched this episode, if they hadn't done what they did, I would have rewatched it and I would have quoted it all to you. But we've all seen there and we've all watched it. So it is what it is. Uh, but it was a very touching thing that the queen says about true love and how, you know, like, you know it when you feel it and it's not something that someone can choose for you. You have to be able to pick that and 
when you have it, you know, you'll do anything for it. Edwina then, like, she has this look on her face, and I'm like, okay, okay, maybe, you know, like, maybe she's over her little, like, you're my half-sister, and, like, you, how could you do this to me? Everything in my life has been because of you, and I don't know who you are, and I don't know who I am, and all that, like, shut up. The privileged whining, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Um, But anyway, so she goes off, and then Anthony gets a note, Kate gets a note. Anthony gets to the altar, church, location, whatever uh, the word I'm looking for here. And then he hears footsteps. He turns around. It's Kate. And he's like, you sent for me? And she's like, I thought you sent for me. And I'm like, oh, it's Edwina. She sent, like, oh, okay. Maybe she's pushing you two together. No. That would be too kind. That would be too kind after everything we've already had to go through. And Weena shows up. She says, I'm not marrying you. And she says, I may not know what true love feels like, but I know what it is not. It is not deception or wandering eyes or a role to be fulfilled. I cannot marry you because I cannot betray myself. I cannot marry you because you will never meet my eyes the way you met my sisters in that altar today. You will never look at me the same way. And I I will not begrudge her this. Look, I will give her the benefit of the doubt that this is true. Like, this is, this is a good line. This is a good statement from her. I may not know what true love feels like, but I know what it is not. If we had just, okay, that, yes. And then if we would have picked up with, I cannot marry you because I cannot betray myself. I cannot marry you because you will never meet my eyes the way you met my sisters in that altar today. You will never look at me the same way. Fine. It's the, it is not deception or wondering eyes or a role to be fulfilled. True. It's not a role to be fulfilled. Because he's like, you'll make a great Viscountess and we'll raise great children together. Um, but the deception and the wandering eyes. Yes and no. Like, I, I'm sitting here, my mouth is literally hanging wide open because I'm trying to form the sentence that I want to make about this. Like... Honestly, Edwina, if you had been present, because if I had to hear, I am a gentleman, one more time from Anthony, like nothing happened up until that, up until this moment that's coming, you know, like they didn't actually kiss until this last moment, you know, but um, yeah, her little speech, I, I was, I was here for the speech. And then at the same time, and she looks at Kate and she's like, I will claim victory today because I'm choosing myself and not what you want from me. I'm like, okay, that's a really like odd flex, but okay. Uh, and then uh, I want to end with them. So right, so that happens. Eloise goes to see Theo and she says she has thoughts that she wants to share with him. 
And I said, girl, I am here for you finally not being so filled with anxiety. But no, this is not it. (laughs) Because you see her at the season because she is so petrified because she's not Daphne and she knows she's not Daphne and she knows that everyone else knows that she's not Daphne that she kind of can't get out of her own way about it and so she's able to be herself with Theo because he doesn't know Daphne he doesn't know any of this and so there's this freeingness of it so I'm like I love this but this is not it because none of this happens. None of this happens. Now the queen's going to think you're whistled down. This is driving a wedge between you and Penelope. Like, and it's not going to go anywhere. Not if we're, not if we're at least following who the people marry. It's not going to go anywhere. So I was like, I, I love this for you, but also no. But it was so sweet. He comes out with books and he says, I read all of these and I set them aside for you because I thought perhaps you might share your thoughts on them. And I was like, that's "That's "That's so cute. But no, I've seen what I've needed to see. And no, I'm sorry, but no. It's a no for me. It's cute, but also no. Ending this episode. What about us? Played by Duomo. The song will never be the same to me again. I mean, the pink version. But like, oh my god, it hit freaking different. Played it on string. Oh my god. There's just something about a good string quartet. Although I don't know if Duomo was also a string quartet. Doesn't matter. Um, I wrote, this is a masterpiece. And their kiss. I wrote, fucking finally. But goddamn, what a stupidly long episode for no good reason. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my honest thoughts. What a stupidly long episode for no good reason. This whole season, this whole season is summed up with for no good reason. All of this happens for no good reason. But um, their kiss, oh. Finally, finally, I made the mistake of saying that they kiss with the beasting at the end of episode three. No, they don't. No, at first I was like, no, they don't. And I'm like, no, wait, maybe they do. No, they don't. Because that was when I was in my car drive. I was almost back and I was like watching the road, but like momentarily looking. And I was like hitting the console because I'm like, kiss her already. So I think in my head, I was like, yeah, they kissed. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Their first kiss is at the very end of episode six after he's supposed to marry her sister. When we could have had their first kiss at the end of episode two had we done anything from the book in that episode. Instead, we got horse races and a half-plagiarized poem. But we could have had them kissing already. No, no, don't get that. Well, it would have been a spicy dream and then a kiss. Could have had that in episode two. No, we don't get that. We have to go all the way to the end of episode six before they finally kiss. And then because she's like, you know, the moment that we leave here, all of this is going to come down around us and we're going to have to leave. So goodbye, my Lord. But then they, and they can't, and (sighs) 
I'm crying for the Canthony people. I'm a Canthony person. I'm, I'm crying for every expectation that I had of this season. And I'm crying because it was a beautiful kiss. But what a clusterfuck of a season. What a clusterfuck of an episode to finally get to it. And then I just didn't watch it for 24 hours because I was trying to process how bad the whole season was before I thought we were going to have happy stuff. No, spoiler alert, it was not happy to start off episode seven or eight for that matter. Because why? At this point, why? Why give us anything good? You know what I mean? And that, my friends, is the end of episode six. We only have two more episodes to go. Thank God. There's just a lot of deep breathing. That's all I have is just a lot of deep breathing. I cannot wait to see my chiropractor tomorrow because I've been sitting recording all of these podcasts trying to get them out and just get all of my feelings out and then I'll probably rewatch it and see how I feel after that. The way this show consumes me, even when it irritates me, I this show, the bane of my existence the object of all my desires. I'm not really, but it's the bane of my existence this season. God. God! What we could have had. What we could have had. Had we followed the book, you know, remotely closely for their story, everything else, whatever, but for their story. So we would have had their first kiss in episode two. We would have had the bee sting in episode three. Probably would have started for with the proposal ending with the wedding. Or they would have drawn out the four and then had the wedding in episode five. Like, could have been other stuff, whatever, and then the wedding in episode five. I'm giving, like, six and seven for, uh, like, six could just be fluffy they're so in love. You know, kind of like how we got that for Daphne and Simon. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And then we would have had to confront the fact that he thought he was going to die young and like he runs away because he realizes he does love her and like he doesn't want to do that. We would have had that. And then we would have resolved it after the carriage incident. And there's no carriage incident, but there would have been a carriage incident. And then we would have resolved it. And they still would have already been married and been happy. Could have had that. Imagine. Oh, my God. (sighs) This is what I wanted. This is what I got. I can't. I can't. Anyway, until episode seven, come back tomorrow for the finale, seven and eight. I'm crying. I'm internally crying about this. Remember, there are no bad hair days unless you have show Anthony saying she's a thorn easily removed from the blossoming flower of our lives, which would never happen. Never happen. I will see you guys tomorrow.